Appalachia. Nobody truly knows where the word came from, but it seems that most folks have their own idea of what it is. Everything from run-down mobile homes full of meth heads to beautiful mountaintop views. The Appalachian Mountains are the oldest mountains in the world and once stood over 30,000 feet into the air. They span the eastern North America from Canada through 14 states all the way to Louisiana. Hello, I'm Larry Bentley. I was born and raised in these very mountains. I, for one, know that they're a source of unending tales and adventure. I also know that the views of an Appalachian as to what happens outside these mountains is a bit different than one might think. Join me as uh, we take a journey through these old Appalachian mountains and beyond. I think you'll be surprised at how it goes. Welcome to Season 3 of Appalachian Murder, Mystery, and Legend. How you doing, my good friends? Welcome back. Thank you so much for listening. Today we're going to talk about something that I haven't gotten around to till today. That would be aliens. And this story is in Kentucky. I know that we all have our own ideas of what these aliens are, and after reading the book of Enoch, I've got my own ideas of what they are. So come on in, take your shoes off, set a spell, and let me tell you what happened just north of Hopkinsville, Kentucky, back in 1955. Now, we all know the universe is unending. It goes on forever, which would make it seem likely that there's life out there somewhere, and if there's life out there somewhere, it may have found us by now. Given the state of affairs in our world, if they're smart enough to get here, I don't know why they wouldn't be smart enough to stay the hell away from us instead of seeking us out. It may be out of some sort of pity if they have. Could be that every time we see one of them, they're hovering up there over there, shaking their heads at us in stunned amazement. Imagine this, if they're sitting there looking at a planet full of life that's about 75% water, with people fighting to death over whatever part of it is sticking up out of the water, I think I'd have opted to contact the dolphins or something first. Heck, maybe they have already for all I know. But whatever the reason was, or whatever, or whoever the heck it was, we do know this much. It was Sunday, August 21st, 1955, just north of Hopkinsville, Kentucky, right after sunset. The Sutton family was just a sitting around in their house in a small community called Kelly. Those in the house included Glenny Langford, her children Lonnie, Charlton, and Mary, two sons from a previous marriage, Elmer Lucky Sutton, John Charlie, J.C. Sutton, the respective wives Vera and Aileen, Aileen's brother O.P. Baker, Billy Ray Taylor and his wife June, both the Taylors, Lucky and Vera Sutton were all itinerant carnival workers who were just visiting the Sutton house for maybe a few days. Kelly today hadn't changed much. It's still as rural as ever, rural as ever and consists of a church, a few houses, and a train crossing. Now, the Sutton family at all had just finished up one of them famous Appalachian suppers y'all hear so much about and were easing into a friendly game of cards. It went too long with it being hot in August, you know, in the night in the farmhouse without air conditioning full of 11 people before Billy Ray 
than to get himself a drink of water. Now, to do that, he had to go outside to the well and pump him some up. I don't know how many of you ever done that, but I can tell you that it just don't get much better than pure well or spring water from a mountain. Now, Billy Ray comes back in telling them all that he just saw a big round metallic looking thing putting out a rainbow trail flying across the sky. When he told everybody that tale, they all thought he was just trying to put one over on them. So Billy, feeling a little bit dejected, went to his wife June and asked if she believed him. Well, folks, that brought the house down and they all just laughed it off. Billy Ray wasn't about to let it go. And so he and Lucky had, or he got Lucky to go out walking with him to to the well so he could show him exactly where this thing had gone across the sky. See, he had any idea what it was. Now, Lucky didn't know what to make of it all, but he knew something had sure scared Billy. So he headed out to the well with him. Billy pointed out where the thing was, but by then it was gone. Lucky was pretty sure that it was a meteor or a shooting star or something that Billy had seen, and he tried to re- reassure him that everything was all good. Now, they were headed back to pick up card game when something popped out of the nowhere and froze them where they stood like white-tailed deer caught in a headlight. It was a glowing object of some kind coming toward them from the wood behind the house. As it got closer, they realized it was a short human-like creature with two big eyes, two little legs that it didn't even seem to be using. In fact, it looked like it was floating along rather than walking. It had both of its little arms raised up in the air like it was a criminal trying to surrender to the police or something. It was, or that was about the time that the hardened skeptic Lucky screamed several rather unflattering words at the little feller and the two men ran inside like they'd just robbed Fort Knox and slammed the door behind them. Around the same time, neighbors about a quarter of a mile away noticed some funny looking lights in the woods behind the Sutton farm. They figured that the family was out searching for one of their pigs or maybe got, that had maybe got out. Anybody who's raised pigs, you know, know how that works, don't you? Later, he heard gunshots and thought maybe that they were dealing with a bobcat or something trying to get to their chickens. As the boys ran back in the house and slammed everything shut, Glenny just didn't understand what they were all worked up for. She'd lived in those woods for decades and had never seen anything even close to what these boys were talking about. And she sure didn't want to hear the talk of goblins or little green men trying to scare the bejesus out of the younger kids. So she went ahead and sent them off to bed. thing she knew the boys were locked, loaded, and standing guard at the front and back doors. Lucky at the front door with a 12-gauge shotgun and Billy Ray at the back with a 22. Now, this was about the time she was thinking that the joke had gone about far enough. Now, I can't say as I blame her. Not one bit. I mean, once you get gunplay going involved in something like that, it's time to try to put a stop to it before somebody gets hurt. Then Glenny thought, I don't know what the heck going on here, but I'm not going to be scared in my own blame house. First she tried talking to Lucky, but well, that was useless. Then she tried getting answers out of Billy Ray. She still thought that the two boys had to be playing a joke on their wives or something, so she got up there next to Billy Ray and by the back door and was asking him just exactly what the Blue Blazes was going on. She needed to know right now, and Billy just said, Miss Glenny, I hope you don't have to find out. 
Finally, she just gave up and sat there with them to see what they were up to. Everybody else was sitting in the living room ignoring the whole thing. Now, they figured that the best way not to get duped into whatever these two jokers were up to was to just ignore it. Now, that the two boys were standing guard, Miss Glennie was watching them like a hawk, and everybody was either ignoring the whole thing or just plain being hardened skeptics about it all. That's when everybody's mind got a complete makeover as a small human-like figure about three feet tall just landed in the doorway out of nowhere. Glennie screamed like a little girl and every skeptic in the house came running. Billy Ray shot at whatever it was right through the screen door, then stepped out on the porch to see what he had just killed. As he did, a clawed hand reached down from the roof and scratched at his head. Seeing that happen and watching as Billy Ray blasted away at that little feller, Aileen grabbed him by the shirt and yanked him back in the house as the monster he shot rolled off the roof and lumped off into the woods, apparently completely uninjured. In the living room, a pair of glowing eyes and a set of talons appeared at the window. J.C., who'd witnessed the whole mess go down, shot it at through the glass with a 20-gauge shotgun that he'd grabbed after turning from hardened skeptic to true believer in an instant when that thing landed on the front door stoop. Close behind, Billy Ray followed up with a 22 bullet. The twice-shot creature did a backflip off and went off running into the woods. Miss Glenny was what we call in the mountains a God-fearing woman and in fact had just been to church earlier that day. So she turned to the dead-dead hand and started praying. For all she knew, the little green man in her yard had been sent straight from hell by the devil himself. Of course, it didn't make much of a combination of gunfire, moaning, wailing, and great gnashing of teeth to wake up the kids. Now that they were clinging to Miss Glennie like baby Joey's to a mama possum looking for somebody to do some splaining. That's when Lucky yelled for the women to take the kids in the back room and hide. After all they'd just seen so far, everybody in the house but Glennie did just that. She was still stunned at what she'd just seen and wasn't sure. She just needed to have a second look, be absolutely sure that she wasn't just imagining things. Lucky and Billy Ray went out to check the front yard while J.C., O.P., and Glenny waited inside and watched. J.C. had a 20-gauge co copped and loaded, standing guard over the back room. That's when somebody yelled, look up in the maple tree. Miss Glenny, along with everybody else, got a real good, clear sight and look at the little green men perched in the branch of the tree above the boys. They shot at it, but instead of falling to the ground like a dead squirrel, the thing floated off like a helium-filled balloon. The noise they heard when they fired at another one sneaking around the corner of the house sounded like bullets hitting a metal roof. After they shot it, well, by golly, it floated away, too. That's when they realized that they may as well be offering these things a glass of that well water because shooting them sure as heck wasn't working, and that's when they ran back in the house. You ain't heard nothing yet, folks. Stick around. You're listening to Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend with Larry Bentley. Back in the house, they tried to figure out just what these things were. Were they goblins or demons or what? Did their raised arms mean that they meant no harm? If they meant no harm, why in the world did they keep coming back after being shot? 
bullets and shots sure didn't scare them off, but somebody noticed the bright light seemed to hurt their big yellow eyes. Whenever a light came on, the little pricks backed off and took cover. They ran around and turned every light in the house on and stood guard by the doors and windows. It was now as quiet as a graveyard at night. Of course, that depends on what graveyard you're talking about, if you know what I mean. And it stayed that way for a little while. One of the children started to cry while Lucky was trying to figure out what to do next. That's when they heard something scratching on the roof. He ran outside and blasted the creature walking around up there with his 12 gauge. And just like all the others, it floated down to the ground and scampered off into the woods. It was becoming abundantly clear that the Sutton family, or to the Sutton family, that they just couldn't hold down the fort anymore. It was time to get the heck out of there. Once the coast was clear, meaning that they didn't see any little green men around, once they didn't see them, everybody in the house made a break for it, piling into the trucks as fast as their feet could take them and headed to Hopkinsville Police Department like it was fully involved in a structure fire and they were the only ones available to put it out. At the Hopkinsville Police Station, the sergeant working the front desk watched as 11 people ran in looking like they'd just seen a ghost. In fact, a whole army of ghosts. I expected he did, didn't know what to say or what the heck was going on, as it was now 11.30 at night. One of the 11 stepped up and explained that they'd been fighting little green men for hours now. Some sources state that he said little silver men, but the little green men is the comment that stuck. The poor officer, who probably was hoping for a nice quiet Sunday night, probably thought that the whole lot of them were half crazy or not, but you know, did what they knew they were scared of something because why else would they have drugged their babies out so late? So the officer did what you do in these cases. He called his chief, Russell Greenwell, who radioed Kentucky State Police, the Christian County Sheriff's Office, and Fort Campbell Army Base, which dispatched a load of MPs to check things out. Probably hearing the commotion on the scanner or maybe their own radio or local papers got wind of it and sent a staff photographer out to check things out as well. Within an hour, the place was crawling with law enforcement and members of the local media along with family who followed close behind them. They all searched the property with flashlights but found no sign of the little green men, only holes in the window screens and plenty of shotgun shell casings. One officer noticed something glowing in the woods but when he went to see what it was, he didn't find anything. The ground near where Lucky had shot one of these things was splattered with something that gave off what they called an iridescent sheen when viewed from an angle. Officers questioned the family members separately, but they all got all they got was the same consistent description of night's happenings. After hours of finding nothing else and getting nowhere in the investigation, the police threw up their hands just like the little green men, and they left. The family, after not seeing or hearing anything for a while, finally decided to try to get some shut eye. Around 3.30 in the morning, after laying there pretty much restless, Miss Glennie woke up to the sight of the little green men staring through a bedroom window. She yelled at Lucky, who was snoozing on the couch, still cradled in the shotgun, and he and Billy Ray spent the next couple of hours standing guard with their guns ready. This time, they just watched these little things run around, checking things out, Occasionally looking in the windows. No other shots were fired. I guess there wasn't any point in it. I guess they figured it wasn't going to do any good. The little fellers finally just 
left before daybreak, and the last the family ever saw of Of course, the story had already gotten out, being that the media was there, and along with the police and military police, which to me speaks volumes as to the truth of something truly happened, because military police rarely, if ever, go running to a place like that for no reason. The media coverage led to an unending air pipe of UFO fanatics showing up to get a closer look and and try to collect any evidence that might still be there, even maybe see one of these little green men for themselves. There were so many reporters and people coming by and walking around the property, taking things, calling them souvenirs that the family got sick being harassed and called liars so they left the farm and it didn't even take them 10 days to do it. On Sunday afternoon, about 14 years later, Geraldine Geraldine Sutton, who was eight, was watching TV with her brother and sister when a man and a woman knocked on the front door. Geraldine answered it. The couple, who looked like they just came from church, wanted to know if her parents were home. And Lucky and Geraldine, Lucky, who was Geraldine's dad, came from the back room to speak with them. When he realized what they wanted, he figured it was time to let the kids in on what happened back in 1955. It turned out that the couple were writing a book about UFO sightings and wanted him to tell his story. Geraldine said that it was the first time she'd ever heard anything about her father's encounter with the little green men. Geraldine now tells of how Glennie was a widow and had always lived in the country and was so affected by the whole mess that she sold a farmhouse and moved an apartment in town. Geraldine says that she felt safer around other people. Whatever happened that night affected her Uncle J.C. too. He couldn't hold down a job anymore because it just psychologically destroyed him. Then, of course, the big talking heads of ufology had theories about the Sutton's claims. During follow-up investigations, family members were questioned separately. Each one described the evening's events and the creature's physical experience with description and appearance, which was three to four feet tall with muscular upper bodies and atrophied legs, large growing eyes, and pointy ears. Kind of sounds like one of them competition bench presser dudes, don't it? Everybody described them nearly exactly the same. Different sketch artists sat in on the interviews and drew sketches based on each individual description. These drawings were nearly perfect match for each other. And still yet, we have the highly learned Dr. J. Allen Hynek astronomer and UFO researcher who is highly regarded for his work with the U.S. Air Force. He called the whole thing, on no uncertain terms, a bunch of hogwash. Of course, he didn't use those exact words, what with him being highly regarded doctor and all, uh, but there wasn't no question about what he meant, and that all boiled down to exactly what he, what he meant what he, by what he did say. He also added that it was offensive to common sense. That's easy for him to say from behind the desk. Apparently, he wasn't from the Appalachian Mountains. Of course, other skeptics had to chime in, too, saying that the little green men were actually monkeys that Billy Ray and Lucky had brought back from the carnival, what with them being carnival workers and all. There were others that thought the whole family of 11 had mistaken great horned owls for aliens. Now, folks, I've seen monkeys and I've seen great horned owls. 
In fact, I got, once got a real good look at a great horned owl when he swooped down at me and one night while I was walking down to Gatewood Reservoir to do a little fishing. He got so close, in fact, that he drew blood on my head and tore a hole in my brand new New Orleans Saints hat. Apparently, he thought that I looked a lot like a rodent of some kind or something. And with a nose like mine, I couldn't blame him. Not once did I think it was the little green men. Besides, uh, as strong as owls are, I still think a shotgun would take one out. Then some blame good old Kentucky moonshine. Now, I must admit that I've had my share and probably somebody else's of that stuff. Yet, uh, to see a little green man, I haven't seen one yet. Well, what I did see didn't line up exactly right because it kept moving around. It wasn't little green man, though. It was just about anything I happened to look at and attempt to focus my eyes on. They still cling to that one even though folks doing the investigating didn't find any alcohol of any type around the property and that night and I myself laughed out loud at that one because Ms. Glennie didn't allow alcohol or any kind of cussing in her home. They were pretty trustworthy folks. During the summer of 1969, after the cat was out of the bag due to the UFO writer stopping by, Lucky took Geraldine and her siblings back to the old home place to show them where it all went down. The home had long since been abandoned. The well had held that good clear water was still there, but Lucky found a strange circular impression in the ground where he thought the flying saucer, as they were called back then, must have landed that night. It was still there 14 years later. Today, I've read where people criticize the Sutton boys for shooting at these things. They instead say that if they saw one, they'd invite it into their home. To meet it all, most who say that are among the most learned people in the country. The same ones who talk about it's hard to recognize a serial killer because they put on an appearance of being so normal. Now, I'll be the first one to say that I'm no expert in this stuff, but I can assure you this much. I stand right along with the lot to look at this and figure that we'll pass on advice for those who couldn't recognize a murder when they're talking to one. Especially when you couple that up with the fact that they're never seen one of these little green men up close and personal either. I myself have done a great bit of poking around to try to figure out what these things were. I did find in the descriptions of the, these creatures that they match descriptions given by folks who've seen similar things. For instance, they've been seen near mining towns in Virginia, West Virginia, and Kentucky near the border there between the three. In those cases, they referred to them as gremlins, but the descriptions match nearly perfectly with the Sutton family's descriptions. Not that that bit of information clears anything up, but it does, as far as I'm concerned, give the Sutton family more credence and than any of the pencil pushers that are denouncing them. Today the story stands just as I've related to you. It was one of the first mentions of little green men to be printed. At least we have that takeaway from this story anyway. Now that we know where the term little green men came from, don't we? I sure hope you enjoyed this story today. If you have, please rate and review the podcast and throw me a few stars and then you know, on the, whatever podcatcher you happen to be listening on. Join us on Facebook group, Appalachian Murder Mystery and Legend Podcast, where we can talk about whatever you want to talk about anytime you want to talk about it. I'll be back soon with another Appalachian Murder Mystery and Le- or Legend, and I'll see you then.